1: Hey, Alyssa, have you ever come out of a race with a
2: really bad sunburn? I sure have. My very first Kona, I'll never forget, it was awful. Well, I think I have a product for you. Zelio Sun Barrier SPF 45 is a zinc-based and water-resistant sunscreen. It's long-lasting, oil-free, and won't sting your eyes. I've used it, and it works great.
0: I'll have to try it because I have heard that Zelios products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like Heather Jackson, Lindsey Corbin, Jesse Thomas, and Rachel McBride. Wait, did you forget someone? Oh, that's right, in our very own Haley Chura.
2: Well, Zelios products are made with high quality and long lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest days, sweatiest training sessions, and toughest elements. They give athletes like us confidence and peace of mind to perform at our best without worrying about our
0: skin or hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without are the Sun Barrier SPF 45, the Twix Shammy Cream, Swim and Sport Shower Products, and the Body Lotion. You can use the code IRONWOMEN at
2: TeamZelios.com to get 20% off.
1: And now, the ladies you've been waiting for... Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now.
0: Hi Haley. Can you believe we're closing in at the end of September? I just can't even believe it over here. I can't. This is our last,
2: our last podcast that will come out before the, you know, October 1st, which is crazy. Cause you know, once October hits, all you can think about is Kona and then, you know, either off season or late season and it's Halloween and basically Christmas, right?
0: i know the holidays are basically here i actually did pull out holiday decorations because i thought i had a pumpkin somewhere and like a fake pumpkin obviously i wasn't hoarding a pumpkin since october of last year a real one (laughs) that would be really gross gross. but i thought i had a fake pumpkin which i still haven't found but i did find all my holiday decorations but as you said it's going to be here before you know it so maybe i should just throw up those christmas lights now yeah. No, I love Halloween decorations.
2: I love Halloween. So I've been trying to hold off until October 1st before I bring out all of my Halloween decorations. So, um, I'm looking forward to it and it, I don't know how it feels in Charlottesville. I know you guys have, I think you guys have been had some kind of warmer temps, but it definitely feels like fall here in Bozeman and, I'm enjoying it. Like the last two days running outside has just been like heaven. Just those cooler temps, still some sun. And
0: it's a nice time of year here oh, just rub it in a little bit more because it's still just hot and humid. Actually, you know what though? Um, it's been really nice Kona training weather for anyone on the East coast who is heading to the big Island. Like you wouldn't be needing to do extra sauna time or anything because it's definitely still super hot and humid here. The only way I've known that the seasons are changing is that one, there's candy corn in the store, which I'm consuming at a high rate. And two, I don't know if the listeners can hear it in my voice, but I'm quite congested because there's ragweed pollen apparently is a thing and it's at an all time high here with the seasons changing. And apparently I have allergies now as a 34 year old woman, I've developed them to the ragweed pollen, which is lovely. I'm yes. Thankful for that. I've heard that could happen. You develop allergies as you get older. So I hope you get some relief
2: soon, but the end of September also means the end of regular registration for the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. That's coming up November 15th through 17th in Tempe, Arizona. And the big news this week, Alyssa, is that I will be returning as the MC at the Outspoken Summit. So I'll be there. Woo woo. In, yeah, introducing the people, introducing the people. Again, keeping the, hopefully keeping the energy up and, and meeting some of our listeners in person. So I'm very excited about that.
0: And this is going to be at the ASU campus. And so Haley, are you going to be checking out a new pool? Have you swum in the ASU pool before? I've never
2: swum in their competition pool
0: because when I was at Georgia, we never actually had a dual meet or a
2: race against ASU. So I'm really looking forward to it because I love swimming in outdoor pools and I've seen pictures of that ASU competition pool and it looks spectacular and I am a bit of like pool junkie. That is one of the things I like to do when I travel is like, go check out the cool pools in the area. And so that
0: is definitely on my to-do list while I'm in Tempe and our listeners, you guys can head to outspokensummit.com to find out the other details, check out all of the speakers and the other breakout sessions and awesome things that are planned for those days in Tempe and don't forget that registration pricing does end on the 30th of September so register yes. now yeah save
2: a few dollars and then you can use it to spend on i don't know something fun they've good food in Tempe like you get candy a, corn. a fancy coffee candy corn halloween candy yeah definitely you got
0: to save money for those kind of things Haley, we are getting a more full a fuller mailbag which always gets me excited
2: and can, wait can i stop when you said like more have you ever seen the secret life of walter mitty that movie when they're talking oh, about with best full? yes like the most full the most rich like that's what that reminded me of okay anyway our most full mailbag do we have some questions. Be our most
1: full
0: full mailbag we've ever had but i want people to keep sending in your mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com because we want the the more fuller the most fuller (laughs) the quintessence Um, the quintessence of fullness one of 10 people who have seen that movie but it was i think i watched it on a plane one time it's a great plane it's one of my
2: favorites i watch it like all the time before races it gets me like really motivated for races isn't it sad in the end No, it's like super happy. And it makes me feel like really good about being adventurous and like going to these races and putting myself out there.
0: I need to rewatch it again, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we have a full mailbag. So we're going to tackle two questions that people have sent in. And Haley, our first one comes in from Cindy. And she saw a recent post about a prominent professional triathlete who received a six month suspension because she had popped on a test for THC. And so she had posted that, um, this was because she was using CBD cream close to the race. So THC is banned in competition. It's actually not banned out of competition. So, Cindy was wondering though, she knows chiropractors and friends who use this stuff and is the use of CBD cream becoming an issue that athletes should be concerned with? So this is, I believe the first triathlete we've seen, you know, facing a suspension because of this. We did see, I want to, I always remember the skier from the winter time who had a similar situation. Um, and I think there might be some other athletes out there as well. So this isn't necessarily like brand new, but, um, definitely like Cindy has pointed out, this CBD cream is like popping up everywhere. So a great question coming in. What do you, and Haley, we have talked about this. I think after in the winter, at some point we may have kind of, um, had a similar question come in.
2: Right. We have touched on it before, but it's always worth a reminder, refresher. And I think that when you think about CBD creams and CBD oil and any product that's containing CBD, you just have to think of it as as a supplement. Right. And supplements are not federally regulated. They're not regulated as much as like a... um, you know, food. And so unless that CBD cream or CBD oil has been like independently batch tested to ensure that it does not contain THC and it has, I don't know if there is any CBD cream. I'm kind of assuming there isn't that's like informed sport, you know, certified. I really don't believe it you're at risk because I, from what I, again, I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist, uh, you know, a CBD scientist, but from what I've read and the reports I've seen, it's very hard to control the amount of THC that's actually in that cream. And then even though THC is only banned in competition, I think that a lot of it depends on your own metabolism on how long it stays in your system and how frequently you, you use it. So just in general, I think if you use it, you're at risk of a positive test. And so you need, you know, use it at your own risk or don't use it. (laughs) Right. have no
0: risk. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. So I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I, I look at it as kind of playing with fire, you know, something that's to me, if it's banned in competition, like out of competition, I'm going to be staying away from it as you know much as I possibly can as well so um that's just my personal view and I think you know there have been certainly with this one coming out a lot of people you know there's a lot of just talk and people saying how much could be in a cream you'd have to you know like is it possible to even get that through a cream blah blah blah. and I don't know Haley I don't think you know 100% the answer to that so you know I think for to be safe just stay away from it I think this did remind me of like back in the day, Haley, do you remember this? I want to say I was in high school when people like Ben Gay was found to be dangerous for athletes. Right. And it wasn't like banned and everything, but like people were saying too much Ben Gay. I think it actually, there was like a death because of this. Right. So this, I don't know why this just like triggered that memory, but you know, there's plenty of we've had christy Ashwanden, right that's her last name um come on and discuss recovery methods you know listen to that podcast on if you're using a thc cream or like a cbd oil or something for um recovery there's a lot of other options out there so again i just wouldn't play with fire
2: right and if you needed to use it for some medical reason like uh, you you probably shouldn't be racing at the same time you know focus on your health like take a break and focus on your health and all the different kind of recovery modalities you can use and get yourself healthy to a point where you don't need cbd cream to get through your day-to-day life and then you know start exercising and racing
0: again that would also be my my other suggestion We'll move on to our next mailbag question. Haley, this one comes in from Pam and she has a question about at the, being at the races. And there are some athletes who have friends or family or a coach even at their race. And so them, you know, they have them them as spectators, but those friends and family can also let an athlete know what position they're in. You know, like going out as you start on the run, you hear people shouting like you're in sixth place and they're just kind of they have the advantage of looking at their tracker and seeing that, right? And so they're telling the athlete who's in the competition that information. And so she's curious if we think it's an unfair advantage and points out that we know motivation can play a role in digging deeper. Um, she brings up Alex Hutchinson's book, which is endure has some good information on that. And so she want, she's curious that, you know, for people who travel solo to a race, are you at a disadvantage? And I will point out, she was asking this from like an age group perspective, but she's interested for sure in hearing the perspective as, from the pro race as well.
2: I think yes, definitely. You're at a disadvantage. The less information you have, like the, you know, there is an advantage to having information. There's an advantage to having a team out there who can, you know, be at different points and tell you different things. There's an advantage to having someone who can like hold your bag right before you go to the start, who is there at the finish line with like, you know, a beer. <laughs> like there's going to be an advantage. But that said, I wouldn't say you shouldn't go to a race because you don't have that advantage. I think that you're going to miss out on a lot of life. If you want everything to be perfect and to have like the best advantage you possibly can. And I've gone to plenty of races by myself and I've done well. So The, you know, getting information is only one, it's only as good as the information you get. Like if the information's bad, then that would be a disadvantage. If your mom's out there and she's yelling at you that, you know, Hey, you should start pushing now that's probably not going to be an advantage even though you know or if your mom is like my
0: mom and she's saying you don't look very good
2: exactly (laughs) so we're not i'm not saying it's like strictly having more people there is an advantage because if they give you bad information or information that's demotivating then it's probably not an advantage but it is it's it's the same thing as you know anything you can you can If you're willing to invest or pay more money for something, you're going to get an advantage, but only to a certain point. And you can still do some pretty good things, you know, coming from a slightly less advantageous point.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, a good point to consider that most people, when they get information, like how helpful is that information? Because Haley, like how many times have you been given, you know, as an age grouper or a pro, really, I've been given misinformation probably more times than I've been given good information. Um, I will say that like, you know, random people are out there. The peanut gallery is full on in the course. I, I find this more in the pro race and racing age group. And they are just trying to tell you what place you're in and their intentions are lovely and great and appreciated. But, often they're wrong like they miscount they're looking at their tracker on their phone and they miss one of the women running by and then they tell me that I'm the next one right or something like that and that happens all the time so like how trustworthy is that information you know and if if they're telling me I'm in 5th but really I'm in 7th right like I might be cruising along thinking I'm good and really I have like people to catch so you know I've learned i guess as i've raced to just take a lot of it with a grain of salt and just really focus on my own race and racing the absolute best that I can, no matter what I'm being told. Right. But certainly, you know, some information is quite nice to hear. Like if you are told that you have three people within five minutes at the start of a marathon ahead of you, that is great information to know because you know, that Five minutes is quite a small time over the course of 26.2 miles, and so you are absolutely in striking range to a lot of things there, and that can be certainly very motivating, but I think, you know, if over 33 Ironmans that I've raced now, I think the marathon especially, you know, is where people will get that information, generally speaking. And so much changes there, no matter what. And some of these people are dropping out that are getting information. And some of these people are going to start walking at mile 20 for no apparent reason who have gotten information. And, you know, so it can be helpful. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, the athletes, it it just relies on your own like mental toughness a lot of times to stay strong and have the race that you want to have, regardless of what people are telling you. And I will point out that sometimes having people travel with you that are going to be able to give you information on course, the trade-off there is that you're having people travel with you, which can actually be be a little bit of a nuisance in the days around a race when you're trying to focus, you know, as an age grouper or a pro, like bringing your whole family out there is a huge endeavor for age groupers to have going on in those days before, right? And so the trade-off of stress that comes with that and time on your feet that comes with that in those days prior to know that you came off the bike in fifth, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily better one way or the other. That's a good point.
2: And I definitely would never call it an unfair advantage. I think it's totally fair. Cause like you said, there's going to be drawbacks to, to having that person out there telling you that you're in that place. And like you said, you have to be intrinsic, intrinsically like self motivated to have any chance in this sport, no matter what someone is telling you, like you have to get, you know, have that within yourself being like, even if I know that I'm. 30 minutes behind the next competitor like i'm just gonna keep pressing and get the best out of myself like you still have to have that ability um we use our competitors you know to hopefully motivate us but at the same time you're, like, you have to have it deep down within yourself that you want to just you know you want to dig deep
0: Haley, when I raced Ironman Vichy a few years ago, I learned that, and I think this is true with European racing because I believe it was true in Copenhagen as well this year. And so I don't think the rules have changed, but I will caveat that. I don't know if they have changed. Um, if you had a support team member, they could actually stand on the run in a particular zone and give you things and like you could... Like that was like a drop zone. You could like get and receive things from your person outside of special needs, right? So that was like that is definitely an advantage. Like once again, I mean Vichy that year was so hot. Like people had another ice station if people were able to get them like cooling things, you know? And so, but I didn't have someone. I had a good friend and he was racing and he had his wife there and he didn't finish the race regardless of the fact that his wife was in that zone to be able to give him things. Right. And I finished quite strong. So, I mean, again, it's like you, you have to just be prepared to do the race, but fun fact, if you are going to Europe, you should look into that because maybe maybe you'll want someone in that zone. That's wild. I've never heard of that. And that would be a definite advantage.
2: But, um, but I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they still allow people on the course, you know, even, even if I'm alone, because how terrible it would be if there was like no one out there cheering at all. And I will give a shout out to like some of the people who are there as support for some of my competitors have cheered for me. I mean, I had people like my competitors in the pro women's field at 70.3 worlds, like their husband or partner or friend who was there for them. Them, was out there cheering for me as well and I'm really thankful for that because and that is something where I think it's it's still hard no matter what like no matter what kind of cheer but I did appreciate that you know that they would cheer for me as well
0: no it's always nice yeah to to have some level of support but that will be that wraps up our mailbag questions so again people can continue sending in questions to Podcast at gmail.com and As we said at the very beginning, we are almost to October here, which can only mean one thing, the Ironman World Championships.
2: And, well, two things, because what comes along with that, Ironwomen Facebook Live interviews
0: with the pro women in Kona. Exactly. So everyone should be aware that in the next Week. I'm confused on my dates as we record this earlier than we this, release, but bear with me here. So, starting October second, keep it which eye. is a Wednesday. That's a, a Wednesday.
2: Wednesday, so okay.
0: it's basically a week after this podcast comes out, but before our next episode. Okay, so the Iron Women Feisty team is en route to Kona. And they will be there on the ground starting October 2nd with the live interviews that everyone loves so much. So keep an eye on the iron women, Facebook page also watch Instagram for fun things that will be going on. They, we're bringing a team this year, Haley, there's going to be like, it's going to be quite a production.
2: Right. I think Sarah gross and Ashley Wiles, who are the two women, you know, and love from previous years, they'll be back. And we have a new team member, Taylor, who um, will also be helping with social media and some of those interviews. So hopefully between the three of them, they're going to have a lot of content. So definitely, you know, check that Instagram page. They'll be posting, you know, the day before they'll tell you their rundown um, for who they're interviewing the next day. And then hopefully you can tune in for some of those interviews on the Facebook page, watch them live, comment with any questions you might have. Or if, you know, the time
0: change doesn't quite work for you, you can always watch them delayed. I did forget about that time change, darn time zones of the world, but, um, it is nice that it will always be there to, to watch. Sometimes it works out though. Cause it's like, if you're
2: in, you know, evening, you're just getting off work in the East coast, you can watch some of the morning interviews in
0: Kona. That's true. We, that is a good, I am in a good spot for that. So I'm looking forward to that. Everyone should keep an eye out. And Haley, we do have a interview this week with a woman who will be racing on the big island this year so this week we talked to kim morrison who has been a multiple 70.3 champion on countless podiums she was fifth at iron man texas in 2019 so this year and she was third and the iron man in estonia in Tallinn this year as well where she was one of the final Kona qualifiers as she kept her spot on that run. That was a very exciting race to watch. So we ask her about that. We ask her all about being an Uber biker and how she's going to take that strength into the Kona field with an interview that comes up after a word from our sponsors. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to Ironman. Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves,
2: Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including kicker smart trainers, element bike computers, and ticker heart rate monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash
0: your training goals. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the
3: Iron Women podcast. Hi. Thank you so, so much for having me.
0: So I believe your last triathlon was Ironman to where you were the third female pro to finish grabbing one of the last available Kona spots in the process. So congratulations. But we know it's been a while, so the details might be a little hazy. In the end, you secured the third place slot by just 15 seconds, narrowly avoiding being run down by Ava Komander. What was it like for you in those last kilometers? I imagine it's stressful. Like, you still kind of might be able to remember that for us. So did you have any idea of the gap and what was going through your mind at that point?
3: Yes, wow, because it was four and a half loops out and back, so you had a very good idea at each turnaround exactly where you were in the race. So I knew it was going to be close, but I knew from previous out and back turns that we were running at a very similar pace. I mean, when we got onto the marathon, the gap kind of stayed between five to ten minutes. So, oh, the last, I mean, the last 10K hurt, right? I haven't managed to power my way through those last 10 K strong yet. And that was my aim and talent to have a really good, strong last 10 K of the marathon. And that for me is just keeping a consistent pace. So I knew in my heart, if I could do that that day, that should be sufficient and seeing the gaps, I knew, yeah, it was going to be close, but my gosh, I wanted that slot so bad. I wasn't going to let it go.
2: And it seems like a Kona slot has been your focus for the past two years, After just missing the 2018 qualification, you appeared to have a clear path headed into 2019. In December 2018, you raced Ironman South American Championships in Mar del Plata, Argentina, but were unable to finish. And then you missed a slot by just 30 seconds, with a fifth place finish at the Ironman North American Championships in Texas this past April. And then an unfortunate mechanical on the bike ended your day prematurely at the Ironman European Championships in Frankfurt in July. So that meant Estonia was your fourth Ironman start line during the 2019 Kona qualification period. And it did. It delivered your qualification slot for the 2019 Ironman World Championships. So looking back now, what do you think about that journey?
3: Wow. I mean, I so wish that I hadn't Put all that pressure on, right? And I'd just gone into the Ironmans to race the Ironmans as as they are and as, as an achievement they are in themselves just to get to the finish line and, and you know, just to be a part of this um, process and to be on the start line with these pro women. Like, all of these things for me are so, so exciting. So, yeah, I mean, I put pressure on myself because it is a dream for me and it's how I got into triathlon, reading about Kona, watching Kona every year just always wanted to be a part of it. So I guess it was hard not to put my triathlon career focus on getting a Kona slot. And since the qualification criteria have changed, you can't go around racing like a mad woman, right? It kind of feels like I maybe have, because like you say, I've been on four to five Ironman start lines, but wow. it Kona for me is a dream come true. So I had to do what I had to do. And I mean, yeah, three of those races were championship races. I mean, it brings the extra competition, but then it also brings extra slots. And for me, as much as it is about the dream, Kona, it's also about putting myself up against the best. So the championship start list, uh, what makes it so, so much more exciting for me. What was
0: your like mental state going into that fourth attempt, though? Like, Were you able to kind of stay positive just because you were you know, it sounds like you're just kind of living your dream and really just kind of keep plugging away at it. Or were you also kind of feeling a bit like you were grasping at straws and feeling like, you know, this was kind of your, your last chance for the, for the season. And, you know, did you feel that like mental, I guess, downside of things at all?
3: I went into Tallinn with a really strong expectation to run a good marathon. Um, the Kona thing had kind of had to be put, you know, to the back of my mind a little bit because I couldn't go through that heartbreak again. And I told my husband that. I was like, I can't come here and have the heartbreak again of some kind of me not preparing properly for the puncture or nutritional mishap in Argentina or those 30 seconds to some super strong runners in Texas. Like, I can't, my heart can't take that anymore. So, I'm going to go to Tallinn and run my strongest marathon I can off the back of a strong bike. So I think having that focus going into Tallinn really helped. And Kona was the prize. So I saw Kona as a a really big present at the end of that race rather than the reason I went there.
2: And and I found it interesting that when I asked you for some photos to help promote this interview that you sent a running photo because we do, we, we know you as the cyclist. And so you posted on your Facebook page that going into Talon that you had come to conquer the Ironman run. And it sounds like the run was really your focus.
3: Do you feel like you did that? I do because although it's still not as quick as it needs to be to, com- to be competitive with the girls out there. And yourself, for me, it's a step forward because it was a consistent marathon for me. I usually go off so ambitious. I'm like, yeah, I can run as fast as these girls. And I try to for the first half and then the wheels fall off. But I've learned that now. So I'm now going off steadier and trying to hold that pace. Because for me, that'll give me a faster overall marathon time than it will if I go out too ambitious and the wheels fall off.
0: I think someone told me when I was just getting into Ironman that the, the marathon is all about who slows the slowest. So, you know, if you can keep that in mind and then like chip away, you're, you're definitely on the right track. So there's no doubt about that, but many pro triathletes have their strengths obviously, and you are no different. There known for being an Uber biker and you love going after bike records. So we'll catch our listeners up a little bit. And in 2018, you took on the 100 mile British time trial record, ultimately becoming the second fastest on record with three hours, 44 minutes and 50 seconds just about 10 days ago, you were ninth in the national 10 mile time trial race. Do you embrace being known as an Uber biker or do you want to break that stigma a little bit as you're racing triathlon?
3: Oh, hundred percent. Every time I get onto the marathon or the half marathon, I want to run a good run. Um, people think I can't run because I over bike, um saying I can't run I think that's being a little unfair on myself but when we compare myself to my competitors I'm not competitive on the run um if that's not it I can't run any faster if I was to cycle slower I wouldn't I wouldn't run faster it's like saying to these super quick runners guys why don't you bike harder like they won't you know it's yeah uh, that is me that is how I run off the bike not off the bike and I think if I'm you know I'm I share my bike numbers on social media really frequently and I think if people were to look at my intensity factors, I'm riding at the same intensity as the other girls. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm over biking, I just feel like I am, um, I like riding a bike fast and it suits me. And what about
2: these time trial events? How do you feel like they complement your training? I mean, you do them quite frequently. So are you doing these races to complement your on fitness or do you just love the pure time trial racing
3: yeah a bit of both but i am part of a time trial team back in the uk called drag to zero so i love it i do it because i love it but it also complements the training because it's a really good training stimulus i mean it puts you working around your functional threshold so yeah both i wouldn't recommend the 100 mile time trial too often it's back breaking literally (laughs) takes me a while to recover from one of those because you are in that time trial position for the full, full hundred miles. And yeah, it's, it, it hurts the lower back a lot because we get ourselves into such aero positions for these time trials. Yeah. Still kind of recovering from that
0: one. And as triathletes, we do know that aero is everything, right? So if you were going to give two to three tips for age group athletes looking to up their aero game, what would they be?
3: Wow. Okay. Well, first of all, comfort. You've got to be comfy in that position. There's no point in forcing it. And secondly, training in that position. I mean, a lot of people won't be in that position when they're training out on the road or training on their turbo. But, you know, put, it's, it sounds silly, but put your helmet on when you're on the turbo. Get tucked down in that position. I like to have a tail because that ensures that you're putting your head low enough down. You feel the tail on your lower back. Yeah. So my two tips would be get comfy and practice it. Great tips. And as you head into your
2: first year racing Kona, like what sort of training and prep are you doing to get yourself ready for the extreme conditions that could appear on race day? I think I saw in a recent Instagram post that you're in training in Lanzarote right now. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Lanzarote was the place where we could find the best The best thing for me, so for me it's uh, my weakness is uphill and headwind. So in Lanzarote we have both. So I'm doing a lot of my reps uphill into a headwind because that's when I tend to drop the power off. Um, Riding fast isn't a problem. It's riding hard into the wind and the hills. So that's why we're here. Also the heat and humidity complements Kona quite nicely. Not quite as hot and humid here but much hotter and more humid than the UK but back in the UK we've set up a little heat tent with a tea urn and a heater treadmill and watt bike in there so that keeps that keeps the heat adaptation going and also my headline sponsor jacuzzi hot tubs a really really nice technique for heat training is to jump in 40 degree water for 40 minutes post exercise and it kind of it keeps the stress on the body for those 40 minutes as you're trying to recover from a session. So I like that one. When will you head to
2: Kona? Have you planned that out yet? Do you have, I'm assuming you have all your travel planned. Are you going in like early to check out the course since you've never been there? Or is this like last minute, just, you know, keep things as comfortable as possible and then just take the big Island by storm?
3: Uh, 11 days before. So sufficient time to get over the jet lag, but not enough time to really get comfy there, you know? So I'm traveling out on my own and I'm going to settle, chill. So many friends out there. So I'm going to enjoy it so, so much and just make sure I'm there to have fun and smile and not get stress worked up and all those other jittery things you get before a race. I'm just going to make sure I appreciate every moment because it's a dream come true to be going there.
2: And you, you mentioned that, you know, this is what got you into the sport that you have read about Kona. You've watched the NBC broadcast, I'm assuming our YouTube videos. Is there anything you're really looking forward to doing either in the race or before race day or after race day?
3: Oh, I'm really looking forward to being out there on the bike course. It looks like my kind of bike course. It's just the road just goes on and on ahead of you. Right. And coming home is going to be fun. That's that's my kind of cycling, coming, the coming home. And I'm really looking forward to hurting on the run. It looks unbelievably painful. I can't wait to be a part of that. <laughs> I can't wait. I think
0: unbelievably painful is, is definitely one way to put it. (laughs) Um, but you know, you, you call it the bike course. It looks like your kind of bike course, right? It seems like you'll be embracing that. And in the past races, you've come off the bike, you know, even with Daniela, like at Dubai 70.3 in 2017. So how does this affect your race plan going into the world championships? Right? Like, do you think about getting into the mix and shaking things up to not allow Danielle and Lucy leading the charge off the bike?
3: My coach and I had a conversation about how training would look ahead of Hawaii. And there were two options. Um, Do you want to go and do something special on the bike? Or do you want to go and have your best Ironman? And I was like, my gosh, I want to go and have my best Ironman. There is no point. There's no point in going and doing something exciting on the bike if I can't run off the back of it. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna bike to the best of my ability and run to the best of my ability. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything stupid. I think that is a smart move.
2: But can we wanted to kind of circle back a little bit to your start in sport, and actually even before your start in sport, because you were born with two holes in your heart and underwent complex heart surgery at just three years old. So since then, you've gone on to an impressive athletic career, but you've also continued to advocate for pediatric care, even speaking and raising money for the Great Ormond Street Hospital, where you received care. So why is it important for you to give back?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, oh, especially, so one of the talks I did was going back to Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, and there's a group that race the London triathlon. It's the hi- it's the most pi- highest number of participants in a triathlon, uh, the London triathlon. It's crazy the amount of people it attracts. Anyway, so a room full of first-timers with a, some sort of link to Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, I stood up and spoke about my surgery, a little excerpt from my mother's diary, and then my ambition and journey into triathlon. And was so nice afterwards for people to come up to me and say I have someone going through different complications that in and out of Great Ormond Street hospital at the moment wow your talks just made me feel like you know everything's going to be okay and it it just gave them so much positivity so it's it feels amazing and what the hosp- the investment the hospital's getting is great I continue to do these talks to schools and different triathlon clubs and all the money goes straight back to Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital and yeah I love it and I love I love I love that part of me and I love I love to share it. And and a few
2: years ago you and I were at the same race and I asked you for kind of the secret behind your incredible bike splits. So we're not we're not asking for any secrets. I I think you've already said there is no secret, but you did credit low RPM work and getting out in challenging conditions around your home in Norfolk County, England. So can you tell us a little bit about about this specific part of England and how it's helped to make you the strong athlete you are today?
3: Yeah, and also when you asked that,
2: I asked you, can you let me know how you run so well? <laughs> and I know, I think, think I didn't can... have
3: any secrets for you either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the um, where we live in the UK, we live in Norfolk, which is in East Anglia. It's coastal, and our coast is the North Sea. It's very, very windy, so whenever I go out on the bike at home, I'm always challenged by the wind. So that that gives you strength straight away. I never sit on the I never sit on the turbo. If I ever do an indoor session, it's on the watt bike and it's short and sharp. But I naturally ride with a low cadence. And we did think for a year or two to try and increase that, but we decided that actually I'm I'm getting better on the bike holding that lower cadence. So we've kind of optimised that and actually used that to our advantage and just put a really big chain ring on my bike so I can I can use that lower cadence riding fast. So a lot of tough riding outside, I would say, has helped build bike strength in my legs.
0: For our listeners, I think a lot of them have probably put together through our interviews that Turbo is also a trainer for the the American listeners here. Um, And can you explain for them like watt bike versus Turbo or trainer um, in training and like how they can be used differently or are they kind of... Eight, can you swap between them pretty easily?
3: Yeah. So a Watt bike is a exercise bike that's set up. So you can set, you're not sat on your actual bike with a Watt bike. You're sat on a Watt bike, which can be set to your position. I've put my own saddle on it, which replicates the one on my bike. But it's it's got, not, the new ones have got a magnet. My one is older. It has a fan. But you can get so much, pre- you can put so much pressure through the pedals on those without I don't know without snapping your chain let's say like you can really go to town with one of those so for the real low cadence high intensity stuff I I like I like it because you're not you're not ruining your own bike you're not ruining the rear cassette you're not grinding the teeth down you're you're just using the magnets or the air whereas when you're on the turbo you're sticking your bike there's lots of fancy ways of doing it now back wheel on back wheel off you're sticking your actual bike on a trainer so you're sat arguably in a better position because you're on your real position that's that's going to be on the road but gives the bike a bit of wear and tear
2: and Kim you you mentioned we a lot and on social media you seem to go out of your way to compliment your training partners your coach and your husband for how they support you in training and on race day so can you tell us a little bit about what makes your
3: team so special yeah my coach and I I have been his longest standing athlete I think we're coming up to like four or five years now together. And that's Mark Pierce, is that right? Yeah, Mark Pierce from Intelligent Triathlon Training. He operates out of Loughborough. He used to work for British Triathlon. He was part of the women's team at the London 2012 Olympics before he moved into long course. He coached Will Clark. That's how my husband and I discovered him. Big fans of Will Clark. So, yeah, and that relationship has built up. And I think the longer... You stay with your coach, the more they can get out of you, right? Because they learn about you so much more. So that's great. And my husband and I got into triathlon together. We met before. I was playing field hockey. He was playing rugby. We both at Loughborough University moved and worked in London. So we've kind of transitioned from that to this together. And then my training partner, Sam Proctor, is perfect for me. Stronger swimmer, stronger biker, super speedy runner so he's there to push me on each and every day too so yeah the team the team works it's great
0: it always takes a village doesn't it and I think one other person who's a well one other personality who's a part of your village is your dog and at the Iron Women podcast we love dogs so you have an Alaskan Malamute is that how you say that the breed right did I say it correctly okay Alaskan Malamute (laughs) And we have a lot of questions about this dog because I have a pretty short haired dog. Haley has cowboy who has much longer hair, but like that is nothing compared to your dog. So, I mean, first of all, how do you even groom a dog like that and keep them clean? Like, do they shed? Are you vacuuming after every workout? Like there is just so much hair there. I can't even
3: imagine. She is crazy because her sister's a short haired, So she came out, And we were, like, surprised that we had all this fluff, which we picked her name, Suka. In Inuit, it translates to fast. She is not supposed to be that fluffy, but we absolutely love her for it. And she has groomies. We call it groomies. She has groomies every other day, maybe every day. Post runs, we'll do little fasted morning runs together. Uh, My husband's built her a little swimming pool at home so she can cool her tootsies off. She'll go in there, have some water, then hit the groomy table with me. And she doesn't shed her fur, other than when you groom, so you don't get a house full of fur, although my mum would definitely disagree with that because whenever she goes to stay, she's like, I'm forever hoovering up. But no, she's, wow, she's my motivation in so many ways. <laughs>
2: And and Suka is beautiful, and we would encourage any of our listeners if they want to check out her Instagram account because she has her own Instagram account. It's at Love of Alaskan, but we'll make sure we we connect to that in our uh, in our show notes so they can check that. And I think she she has like an incredible like nearly ten thousand followers. Is that right?
3: Yeah, way more popular than I am. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think that might be the official proof that people love dogs way more than swim, bike and run, right?
2: <laughs> uh-huh, absolutely. I always get more comments on cowboy posts than than any triathlon post too. So I think that's kind of universal.
0: <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, Kim, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us about your journey to Kona and take some time out of your prep here in these final weeks. Um, you know, we'll be wishing you all the best on the big Island and hope that you just have a fabulous first experience out there. And I know our podcast listeners will be following along and watching.
3: Thank you so, so much for having me. I, yeah, delighted to share my dream with you. And yeah, I can't wait to see what Hawaii brings first time.
0: Haley, do you know what our most popular Iron Women episode
2: has been so far? I do Alyssa, because you know, I love the numbers and it goes back to fall of 2017 when we interviewed exercise physiologist, Stacy Sims. You are right. And do you know what Stacey Sims has been up to these days? I've heard she's working with noon hydration to help formulate some products that have the female endurance athlete in
0: mind. Noon hydration products have clean quality ingredients and are also non GMO project verified, which means top quality ingredients for your body and the planet. Noon hydration
2: offers a range of hydration products for all your workout and recovery needs. My personal
0: favorite is noon sport fruit punch flavor. What's yours, Alyssa? I like the noon sport in the grape flavor and our listeners can go to noonlife.com and shop with a 30% off code of iron women to find out their favorite flavor. And don't forget to let us know that's noonlife.com with the code iron women for 30% off. Haley, after chatting with Kim, I just have to ask you about the last time that you were worried you might break your chain or your bicycle by riding it too hard on the trainer.
2: Alyssa, I have to admit that thought has never crossed my mind and I spend a lot of time on the trainer, but apparently my hard efforts must not be hard enough, which is great. There's room for improvement.
0: I, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to channel that kind of enthusiasm next time I'm really going for it on the trainer. I, I don't think I've ever had that thought cross my mind. I have broken a chain once, but that was, um, definitely user error on the installation and it was during an outside ride. It wasn't, it wasn't good.
2: I'm excited to see what Kim can do on that Kona bike course though. I mean, I think it will suit her pretty well. So
0: she's definitely one to watch. I agree. And I believe we will be having plenty of live interviews on the Facebook, uh, iron women, Facebook page from Kim and the other women who are racing in Kona this year, um, starting October 2nd. So keep an eye on that. And of course, just a reminder that all of that live feisty content is made possible in part by our lovely patrons and if you want to help support us in all the content that we're putting out please head to patreon.com forward slash and become a member of our community there
1: bye Alyssa have a great week bye Haley thanks for listening to this podcast please subscribe like and comment on iTunes my favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production. We want to thank our sponsors and partners, Noon Hydration, Wahoo Fitness, Zelios, Fen Coffee, FQC Nutrition, and SmashFest Queen.